Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Brian. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I heard you clear your throat. I thought he's. I know it's, it's the um, it's the pen characteristic thing. right before I start talking, you know. Well, you've got to make sure that everyone can hear you crystal clear, nice and crisp. Oh, that's that's the main thing, isn't it? And it's beginning to feel a bit more like Christmas now, isn't it? Don't you feel like it's getting colder, <laughs> a bit more seasonal? You know, chunky jumpers and all that sort of thing. Well, you'll be glad to know I have got Christmas socks on. And the glass that I'm drinking from has uh, my initial C with a Christmas hat on it. Oh, so wow. I'm I'm all ready for it, mate. I am very happy to just like, jump into it this year. Do you like Christmas? Do you generally? Oh, yeah. do you, I love Christmas, really. You know, the meaning changes as you get older, doesn't it? But mm. um, I've always loved it. everything about it. It's just a great time of year. Not not only because we eat too much and we drink too much, but you just catch up with friends and family you haven't seen in a while and it's it's that kind of i mean dickens called it the rolling year didn't he that you take stock of life and you you think about the next 12 months and you think about what's happened in the past and it it is a sentimental time but that's what makes it a special time i think yeah i definitely think that like you contemplate a lot um and you think about a lot you kind of it's almost like that. It's almost like the end of year list of films, but like with your life, you kind of go like, okay, what was the highlights and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. And also, I think it gives you a chance to look at things through a dis- different kind of prism. It's like, okay, like if I was to look at this as you know, from a point of view of someone being um, you know, feeling happy or joyous, or you know, you allow it, give yourself permission to just kind of be in a different state of mind. Yeah, and. I've got kids now, so it, it changes everything because you suddenly just go, well, actually, we live like this a lot now. Though. You know, we're very uh, thankful for everything we've got and we appreciate every second of every day that we've got. So it makes you a bit more, like I say, meeting, meeting up with family. It gives you a reason to sort of get in touch and reach out. Yeah. How old are your kids? 
uh, one and almost five. Oh, right. See, the five-year-old is the idle stage to sort of become really become aware of Christmas and what it means and what it represents. Do you know what I'm really trying to get her to do, Brian, is What's to that? get into good Christmas films. Um, she's oh. not really a film buff, to be honest. I know she's only four and almost five. Give her five. a chance. Yeah, I'll give her a chance, but you know, she's, <laughs> she's got one more strike and she's out. No, uh, she like... To, she likes to watch a lot of TV. She watches a lot of like, TV shows, and yeah. like I know kids her age or like even younger, like um, her friends and stuff, who do watch films. Like they'll sit and watch a whole Disney film, and they'll watch mm. that sort of stuff. But she's never really been into that. Like she always likes the kind of quick fire stuff. So this year, I'm going to say to her, we're going to try and watch Arthur Christmas because I love oh, that's that film. A good one, yeah, that is good. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one to start off on, isn't it? Really, I and mean, then I suppose as you get older, your your tastes do mature a bit more, and you you look for something slightly different. I suppose Elf is is. I mean, I'm not a fan of Will Ferrell. Um, I've gone on record and happily state that I'm not a fan of Will Ferrell. But Elf is the kind of film that really captures the spirit and the mood, doesn't it? In so many ways. I do like Elf. I'm not sure if it was true, but I heard that they did offer him a lot of money, a big bag of cash to do another one. And he said no, um, right. because he, I think he didn't want to ruin the, you know, that uh, piece yeah. that he made. Because it, it has become a, a, a classic. It's become a favorite. And I think that's the pedigree that you want to get to because mm. the list of Christmas films that are worthy of that annual watch mm. is very, you know, hard to get onto and Arthur Christmas is way up there for me. Um, yeah, it's good. It's classic. Elf, I do like Elf but if I didn't watch it at Christmas it wouldn't be the end of the world. I'm not like, oh I didn't watch Elf this year. Whereas Home Alone 2 is like one I have to watch. I'm like, I must find time for Home Alone 2 because I love it. that to, to the first Home Alone film though. Oh I do, yeah. You have to. Yeah. It's got, they're in New York, they've got the toy shop. Oh, it's just magical. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, again, I'm, I'm still sort of trapped at trapped in this sort of notion that the first film in any series has got to be the best one. It's not always the case. It's not necessarily so. I'd say one Christmas film I do like that's really underrated, I think, is Scrooged with uh, Bill Murray. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, I, I, look, it's it's a, it's a play on, on, on a great story anyway. It's a Dickens story, but it's contemporized. It's brought up to date, and I love Bill Murray. You see, it's the, it's the very antithesis of what I feel about Will Ferrell, which I just find annoying. He's good <laughs> at what he does, but I don't race him. Bill Murray, you know, he, he came from he he had a, a, a similar trajectory in his career to Will Ferrell. He came up through Saturday Night Live, and I think Scrooge just nailed it for me. It's brilliant. It's great lines in it, and it's the type of character that only Bill Murray Murray could play in a lot of ways. I think that's the strong point of so many Christmas films is that um, performance that is so memorable. Like with Home Alone, for me, it's like Joe Pesci. Like just, yeah. he does so well. It's not, like Macaulay Culkin's great, but it's actually the other players. Like, and Tim Curry, like Tim Curry plays the uh, check-in guy at the yeah. hotel. And oh, his face is just brilliant. Like everything they, about it. And also they have a great time making it as well. Yeah. You know, you look at any film, you can tell when actors are really enjoying what they're doing. And sometimes you can tell, I think, anyway, this is my own opinion, you, you can tell sometimes when they're just going through the motions, they're picking up the paycheck, this is good for their careers and they're doing it. And they're, they're, they're doing a good, efficient job at, at playing that role in within that film. But then there are some actors who really love what they're doing. I mean, it's like 
um, Ryan Reynolds in in Deadpool. You know, he always looks like he has a great time doing it. Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool, absolutely lapping it up. You know, Emma Stone in um, oh, the other one, Dalmatians, Cruella. She loved playing that role. Uh, you know, I haven't seen that version yet. That that is great. Emma Thompson's in it as well, and she's brilliant. But there's an example, though, Chris. I think of actors you can tell are having a ball playing this role. You can feel it. You can sense it. They're enjoying it. And of course, if they're enjoying it, you're going to enjoy it as well. You're going to you're going to sort of you're going to feel that vibe coming coming off it all. But sometimes you you don't necessarily. But I think it just strikes you more often when you can tell that they're liking it. You know, they like the script. It's all coming together. They're, they're working well with the director. You know, it just you just sense something coming together really well. And that's when a good film becomes a great film. Well, watch this for a segue. Speaking of great films. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, there you go. We were, uh, we're reviewing five more uh, films that were at the UK Film Review Festival because we are now recording this post-festival. This is mm. in the aftermath. The world is still here. We didn't mm-hmm. get cancelled and the, no. the world didn't get cancelled. Mm-hmm. Although it was a close one this morning. I don't want to get po- political, but there was a moment where World War Three looked very likely and luckily it's... Scary, Calm down wasn't a bit. It? Yeah, um, scary, wasn't it? Yeah, let's definitely not get into that. Um, oh, no. yeah. So yeah, we've got five films to review tonight. Um, we're also Brian doesn't even know this, but we're also going to announce the winner of the best oh. documentary um, oh, at the right, end of this okay. festival. Cool. Uh, end of this episode, sorry. And um, that's after we've reviewed one of the uh, the last doc, um, which is in the running order. But mm. first. We're going to the States to a very, very short film, but a very funny film, Playdate. Mm. <laughs> this was so what? strange and funny, but also a lot. There's, there's a lot to unpick in four yeah. minutes, to be honest. Um, <laughs> the, the synopsis yeah. they give is it's a playdate. Now, yeah. that yeah. is very, very sort of, um, in line with the type of film that, that we've got here. Brian, over to you. Give us the, the a more detailed synopsis. Well, it's not an easy one to encapsulate, is it? You know, the fact that in the blurb, the publicity blurb, they went for a, a three-word a three word summary, you know, a play date or whatever it was, a play date. And it is very difficult to sum up. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got a beardy guy in a blue jumper and short pants, and you've got a bald guy in a yellow jumper in short pants, and they just have jolly jokes, don't they? You know, they just muck about and they they vandalise telephone boxes and they let tyres down on cars and all that sort of thing. And you think, okay, I'm I'm on board with this, you know, I'm kind of getting on with it, you know. It's only four minutes, so it's um it's 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 going to be an easy one to absorb, but. I don't think it's entirely, like you say, there's a lot to unpick there. I don't think it's entirely easy to recognise what the what the message is. And there is a message there, but is it really, I think it's really about the fact that we're all kids at heart. We we like the child in us. The child in us gives us the sense of humour we have as adults, I feel. And also, I suppose it, it also illustrates what the dangers could be in life of getting too carried away but you know does the job makes you watch and again why would you do anything else and you know you you could bet you 
barely blinking four minutes, can you really? <laughs> but they, it manages, it gets there, it gets there, and it gets the message across because there's no scripts, it's nothing, it's all, it's all verbal, it's all slapstick based, and you think, right, okay, it's they've done a reasonable job of that with a very limited amount of time available, but yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, so it plays out like a kind of um, snapshot, I guess, of two guys enjoying each other's company. But yeah, they, there's something very innocent and childlike about these mm-hmm. characters. The way that you know, from the opening scene, you've got the guy who's like sniffing a Kit Kat wrapper that's on the floor, or a chocolate wrapper, <laughs> and then they turn and he faces, and there's this other guy. And you know, these guys look like rugby players; they're absolutely know, huge. Yeah, they're, but yeah, they're, they're wearing these like, kind yeah. of like pastel-coloured um, tops, and they've got yeah. their socks pulled up, and they're wearing shorts, so they look like toddlers, but like yeah. blown-up toddlers. Yeah. And like, so just from the get-go, you're like, all right, what have I let myself in for here? Like, what is Playdate going to be? And then you get this kind of strange music soundtrack um, playing in the background. Yeah, and it's odd, isn't it? Yeah. it which, it, for me, was one of the things that sort of let it down. I didn't really like the, the soundtrack that much. Um, I found it a bit irritating, to be honest, even it's in distra- four minutes. Yeah, it's distracting, I think. That was the only thing I sort of really picked up on that I didn't like. Um, but then, yeah, you've got all these really funny scenes, like he's like leapfrogging over each other like, next to the traffic, and it's... Yeah. They're just having pure, joyous fun. Like everything about what they're doing. Obviously, actually, some of it is quite antisocial. Like I think one point they throw a brick at a window and they attack someone's house, but he runs out with a gun. Um, It's it's quite subversive in some ways. If you if you pick out some of the more overtly aggressive sort of sequences, you could see it that way as well. But I, I think it's that that degree of playfulness is what it's trying to emphasize there, I think. that you know, this is what we would like to do if we weren't hemmed in by convention. And, yeah, that was what struck me as well. Like you're, you're watching this film and you kind of think, you, you kind of get the feeling of, all right, okay, right, it's, it's a simple idea. But then certain things happen which are actually quite complex. Like, there was a scene where the car crashed mm-hmm. and it gets kind of T-boned at the side. That's actually a very, like big scene to have thrown yeah. into this film um and that you never really know where you're at with this film yeah. you don't ever feel that you're sort of like oh i've got a handle on what they're trying to do here and obviously it's over quite quickly so you don't really get much of a chance to find your footing yeah but yeah it's interesting yeah it's no it's good it's a good effort it works you get something out of it and you know it, it leaves an impression on you and i i think it's as much to do with with the the two actors that are involved as well, their their physical presence and that, uh, f- you know, the, the overall physicality they've got as well. Where, you know, it put me in mind a little bit of Benny Hill, you know, the... Um, yeah, I definitely... Yeah, that silent, silent yeah, cinema yeah, kind of era as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all, it's all um, fast-forwarded a little bit and that's how they're getting more action in, I guess, really, is that... You, they increase the speed of it, which is kind of makes sense if you're working with only four minutes. But yeah, it did remind me a little bit of Benny Hill, where where you've got that kind of purely visual slapstick based sequencing where where everything's speeded up. But yeah, it's good fun. I liked it. You know, it's a satisfying four minutes, and you can it gives you time to watch it again, as we often say with a very short film. Yeah, I mean, I've watched it a few times because it's like it's a, it's a length of a trailer, really, like a long trailer. So I've watched yeah, it a well, few yeah, times. But that's right. Yeah. And I think you're right about the 
um, connection to slapstick and silent cinema. You know, it, it was very much in that akin to, you know, this is funny, especially when things are sped up because that is almost funny. Like you can imagine the kind of like playing behind it. Yeah. And then the other thing it reminded me of was, um, did you remember those Haribo adverts where they have, they have the grownups speaking the yeah, children's still lines? Running now. Yeah. It does remind you of that. They're still running now, aren't they? Like, yeah. It had that yeah. kind of, um, yeah. it's, it's doing that juxtaposition of yeah. older, beefy, burly guys, but yeah. playing like toddlers. And I think yeah. that it's certainly trying to make a comment maybe on, I don't know, masculinity or yeah. uh, finding like happiness and like pure moments and stuff. But then, when things do get a little bit more, shall we say, racy, um, it, well, not racy, it's probably the wrong word, it's nothing like yeah. that. Um, when it gets yeah. a little bit more kind of dangerous, yeah. it is, maybe it's making more of a um, comment. But one thing that was interesting is it didn't get entered in the best comedy. It's got entered in the best short, which is fair enough. It's a very competitive category. But yeah. I think if it had been the best comedy, it would have had, it would have stood out a lot more. Um because I found it quite funny. I was watching, I was sort of smirking to myself. The, it was kind of baffling and, and a little bit bizarre watching these guys do what they do. But I think the, the comedy elements were stronger than anything else for me. I, I would have thought so as well. It's, it is pure comedy, isn't it? And it's visual. It's, as we said just now, it's, it's slapstick. But that's humour without barriers. You know, you could show that film in any country in the world, non-English speaking uh people could watch that and get the same kick out of it that we do. So there, there are no barriers because there are no, the, there is no dialogue. So there's no need for subtitles. It's all visual and it, it's plugging into to something we all feel in our own nature that we can laugh at something that's purely visual and funny is funny at the end of the day. But I mean, it's when you're not asking people to laugh at what characters say, you're asking them to laugh or react to things they do physically which I think is probably a slightly easier type of humour to execute. But this works very well here, I think. Excellent. Well, that was um, written and directed by Corey Snirowski, and it's called Playdate. Unfortunately, you can't watch it at the festival anymore, but if you want us to point you in the direction, let us know, because um, it's it's four minutes and it's just quite a bit of fun, to be honest. Um, Moving on to... The uh, the final film within the documentary category that we haven't reviewed yet, Olivia M. Faf's Ukraine War, The Eyes of Refugees. Um, quite a big tonal shift from the previous film that we bit, uh, have reviewed. Yeah. Um, obviously, the title of this does kind of really pretty much sums up the whole plot. It's yeah. um, to do with the recent Ukraine war, which is obviously ongoing. And we're given a very intimate glimpse into uh, the situation for some of the refugees and what life's been like for them since the outbreak and having to live in temporary homes and uh, refugee sites, the aid and the workers and the things around that and how the, the efforts they're going to to try and ensure these refugees have some quality of life during this incredibly turbulent time. And, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I can't really go too much into any more detail because it's one yeah. of those films where it's just very much of the time and it feels very immediate. Uh, what did you think of this one, Brian? 
it does what it's supposed to do. As you say, the, the title of the film really tells you all you need to know. And a bit like the when we reviewed the documentary film of the Manchester bombing, it's a story that that can be told on its own. It's standalone. And I think just to sort of see women, children, men, ordinary people suffering, it's a human tragedy unfolding before our very eyes. And the fact that it is contemporary and happening now makes it raw, distressing, powerful. It's all of those things. And it's incredibly sad. You know, this this is just a classic case of ordinary people suffering at the hands of people. It's, it's too much power being in the hands of too few people. That's what I get from this. And it's regular people like us, like you and me, like our own listeners, who will relate to people in this film. It's terrible. It's gut-wrenching to watch. And it, there's not really much else you can say, but it, but it's just real. It's just simply turning a camera on a situation, filming it, and just talking to people and talking about the way the war has affected them. Now, I, I guess really, there's only so many ways you can ask a question, and you will get, you can imagine the response that you get back. But it's it's no less affecting for it. But it's something that you you try and not watch, but you have to watch. It's easy to turn away from something like this because this is life. This is the very worst of life, isn't it? But it's it's a story that needs to be to- be told. It's interesting, like I said, about it coming up so soon. Like you say, it's got to be a story has got to be told, and often getting into the thick of it now gives it a lot more authenticity you know it's yeah. not people looking back and you know having distorted memories and things like you know they're interviewing people literally in these campsites that's like it could be like a sports center that's been turned mm-hmm. into a refugee camp so you don't get more real than that like they're in there like and they're asking them like what's been happening like how did you get here like the stories of how they got there are often quite harrowing and asking their opinion about putin and and the war and everything like that so you're getting you're getting it in real time. You're getting their actual yeah. reactions at the time. It's not anything like talking heads thinking, "Oh, yeah, I was in that. I was in this center mm-hmm. in X, Y, Z." And you know, maybe a lot's happened since then. Um, and also, they're talking to the people that are helping and getting their thoughts on stuff and how hard it is and mm-hmm. and the stories of things that they've seen. So it's incredibly heartbreaking, especially because. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of children involved and a lot of yeah. um, scenes like that. There's some bits which are uplifting, like when they're giving out sweets and stuff to the to the kids and things like that. So you yeah. do get that yeah. kind of bittersweet um, uh, yeah. side to it. The, they ask um, quite a lot of them to sort of repeat the same line. You know, I think it's yeah. on the poster, which is like, war is not healthy for children and other mm. living things. So it's got a very uh, sort of... Um, obvious message like it's not trying to it's not trying to contemplate the much like a manchester bombing it's a a manchester story it's not trying to really get into the story of like why it's happened and and how it could have been avoided or anything like that it's very much just dealing with the outcome and how crazy it is that you know something like that's happened and it's now displaced so many people and so many normal uh families and, and people that have just been devastated by it and i think that's the most uh, impactful thing that I got from the film. Yeah. 
What's also interesting about that though is that they speaking to the aid workers, the Romanian aid workers that are helping out, and they relate their own story as well. And you can you can see that they're suffering a loss of some sort, insofar that one of them was saying, one of the aid workers was saying, I haven't seen my wife and children for two or three months, I haven't been in touch with them. You think, isn't it amazing? Those that are out there to care for those that have suffered loss, those are the those people that are refugees and victims of war, the aid workers are kind of experiencing a, a loss of sorts as well because they're away from their families and loved ones. So I think it was in, an interesting contrast there between those that are, we would see as victims and those that are, are helping the victims. I think that's interesting and that they feel a sense of loss because they're away from their loved ones. So I think it's interesting that they brought that out as well. That's what I was really impressed with was how it was a film that explored that human element to the to this war mm-hmm. and it wasn't trying to divide people up into sides it very much was just these are, these are all the people involved on this mm-hmm. on the on the fallout side of it um and i think that was really powerful i did obviously I think it was rushed, this film. It felt that there were certain bits that certainly could have been polished a lot better. And so in some ways it kind of complements the tone of the piece in that, you know, all of a sudden all these people have been displaced. So you've got this film that feels like, you know, it's kind of, it's not slick. It's not um, smooth. So that's fine. The only thing I really, I would say I didn't like was there was this um, narration that was going on and it's mm. by a journalist, Mark Owen. Mm. And first off, I didn't think it was really needed most of the time. I felt that actually a lot of what was happening was kind of self-evident. Yeah. And also it kind of came across as a bit clinical, almost as if it wasn't yeah. done by someone who was actually either watching the film or, or at least had seen the scenes yeah. that were going to be in the what he's narrating. Did, did yeah. you get that feeling at all? Yeah, no, I did. I, th- I think it's an interesting point because Mark Owen, renowned journalist, I mean, I actually never heard of Mark Owen of France 2024. That doesn't mean to say he's not good at what he does. But if they'd have had someone that would, had more a much higher profile, it might have made a difference. But I think because he's not that well known, I think you're right. There's less need for that narrative. You can just let the story tell itself. It's a story that can be told on its own. It doesn't need a lot of embellishment. I think some of the the editing was a bit choppy. It did look a bit rushed. But, you know, some may may argue that adds to the realism of it all, that it does feel a bit jerky and a a bit choppy in places. It could have done with... with, um, more careful editing, but I think you're right though. I think the voiceover was maybe over-egging the pudding a little bit too much and was trying to add an element that it didn't really need necessarily because it is a story that tells itself. And I think, you know, hands um, up, like, you know, I'd never have the ability to make something like this. You know, I never have the, I wouldn't have the um, bravery to go to a place like this. Mm. And the filmmaker has done really well um, to capture that essence i think you know i think there was just i can imagine maybe trying to get this out like trying to get it out to places and and get it seen especially Mm. whilst because you can imagine someone watching it and going oh okay yeah you know this is terrible what can we do can we Mm. donate can we can we help this situation so there's that urgency to for people to Mm. see this but you know just to 
a couple of weeks to just you know polish it and make mm. sure that it's as effective as it can be because yeah. there are certain things which i would have been like do you know what all you need to do is remove that and it would have improved yeah. it like you didn't need the narration so you, if you just had maybe a few more people watching it listening to it and going do you know what i don't think that was necessary um like there's a bit where there's like a ring around the rosies uh, ring around rosies yeah. Um, yeah. music and it's done in like a really creepy tone and i was like that just didn't work at all for me that yeah. was like it really stood out and it really was like oh that's a that's a strange change of tone to the film uh, yeah I, yeah yeah i think another problem it's got if it, if you can call it a problem at all is that because it's an ongoing war it's happening now as we speak which does give it give it its kind of power and immediacy but it, it's to to make a film like this available for viewing it's competing with the miles of newsreel footage we're already seeing. Yeah. And that's that can sometimes drain its power slightly because you could look at it and think, oh, it's another news report. It's a, it's just another news item that we can see on Sky or ITV, the BBC, whatever. That's another drawback. So there would have been more value in polishing up a bit more before you go with it because then it gives it more of a chance to stand out amongst all the other miles of newsreel footage that are being shot and that we're seeing because it gets regular coverage. It's near the top of every news bulletin, isn't it, more or less? So because of that, it needs something a bit extra to make it stand out from what you would normally see. Yeah, and, you know, obviously we don't want to... Um undermine you know, the the power of the film there's a lot nice. going for it and we, you know, we picked yeah. out a lot of the good stuff but yeah. i do think it's a it's a film that could have been better um and i, think, I, so. I think it would be wrong of us to sort of not pick up on that as critics you know but by all means it's a it's a great um and brave film to have made and i found it affecting i certainly was thinking about it quite a lot like after i'd seen it and that's always yeah. a good sign from a documentary it leaves its mark doesn't it so, that's that's the important thing and it's it's good it's it's as i say it's something you have to watch you cannot take your eyes off it and that's a sign of a an effective piece of filmmaking so there we go uh that was uh ukraine war the eyes of refugees um we're moving to the UK now for Richard Rowden's short film, The Show. Ah, yeah. Now, this confused me slightly because, All right. yeah. again, booked in as a comedy, best comedy, but it is described as a dramedy. And for me, it felt more like a drama, to be honest. Um, so do you want to give a rundown on the plot of this one? Yeah. So we've got this couple who... You have a rocky relationship, to say the least, and they go on a, a trip out into the back of beyond. It's in the countryside somewhere. And gradually, as the story unravels, their relationship begins to unravel. And they realise that they've been pretending in terms of their relationship working. It's not working. And it all falls apart. And all they have is... Uh, mobile phones with an intermittent signal in the middle of nowhere and a tent and they're trying they're raking over the coals of a relationship that's dying basically and it's the worst place they could possibly be really because <laughs> you can't get to anywhere that quickly if you're in that deep desolation you know deeply uh, buried obscurity in the middle of nowhere 
which is where exactly where they are, and they realize that they they just simply don't feel the same way for each other. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Yeah, that's a really good rundown. Um, the, the filmmaker described it as a film about good people making terrible relationship decisions again and again. And I think that alludes to the title of the film, you know, the show. It's the idea about people putting on a display either for their partner or for others or both mm. when it comes to relationships. And it's because of, you know, much like uh, The Girl in the Tides that, that we reviewed, where yeah. you've got this pressure, you know, social pressure of, you know, finding a partner, settling down, doing all the things, ticking all the boxes, you know, house, car, baby, career. Yeah. It's you've got that element to it. Um, but with this, it's quite clear that the two don't massively get on. They, they're constantly at odds with each other, you know, making yeah. little snide remarks at each other. And like, there's a bit where she sort of like forces him to take a photo for Instagram, whatever. And they have to, she's like, smile. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. mm, like trying to put he, it on. He couldn't, he couldn't do it. Could he? he just couldn't tell his face to smile. He, and he and that's yeah. such a telling moment about the society we're in now, about yeah. the idea of who we actually are versus the person that we present yeah. to the world. Yeah. And I think that relationships are often something which we don't always explore in that arena because often social media is very solo. It's very about your best you. It's whoever you want to put out your profile and your pictures. Whereas when it comes to relationships, it does still have a very big impact on on that. Um, not going to give away the ending of this one because I do think it's worth watching. But there is oh, yeah. something, well, there's something at the beginning of the film that then um, in, where he's on the phone and it impacts obviously the, later in the film. Yeah. And that was really important. But the bulk of the film is the two of them, as you say, in the uh, beautiful scenery, absolutely lovely yeah, mountainsides. I felt I very, yeah. I very much was like, do you know what? This is very interesting drama, yeah. but yeah. I am also quite liking the visuals. Yeah. Um, and it's a very potent piece about characters. Like they're very separate characters, but they've been put together in this situation i think it's important that they feel isolated from the rest of the world because otherwise everything else would just interfere with the show that they're putting on so they had to be isolated from everything else in order to get to the point where they find mm. a resolution to this mm. issue that's obviously growing between them um i i i found it more interesting the more i thought about it like when i first watched it i was like do you know, I didn't find that funny because I was meant to find it funny. It was like a best comment. Like, yeah. I, I didn't find it funny. 
and I still don't think I really found it funny. No, I, it's no. maybe a dark comedy, I guess. Yeah, I think ways. the comedic elements are, are difficult to find. Really, it's a you know, it's 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 very cleverly done. It's it's just looking at a relationship in terms of it just being about appearances, and some relationships are like that. All relationships go through that phase of how should we look, how should we behave, what do we, what image do we want to portray to the outside world. How do we want people to see us? There's all of that going on. But the only real humour, I think, really, is the fact that they've discovered they don't, well, I wouldn't say they necessarily hate each other, but they've discovered that they just don't want to be together anymore. And they're in the middle of nowhere. They're not, it's not like they can get in a car and just drive to the station. They can't. They're kind of, they're isolated in stunning, stunning countryside, wherever that is. But they can't easily get away from that situation because of where they are. But maybe that is, part, you know, that's the, the basis of the story. That's what it pivots on, is that they've got that splendid isolation. It's just the two of them. And they're being truly honest with each other because there's nothing else they can do. There are no distractions there at all, even though they were getting an intermittent signal on their mobile phones from time to time. But I think that was probably the closest it got to selling a gag. Do you think, right, that's the last place you'd want to be with someone who you've just broken up with? Yeah, I think the only other aspect to it was the music. It was like the sort of jaunty music would play every so often that yeah. was sort of um, almost at odds with the sadness that was kind of emanating yeah. from this couple. That yeah. I think, yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was a film that I've, I found particularly funny, but I did find it dramatic and I did find it compelling because... I liked what was going on. I liked this interesting exploration of a, uh, of their relationship in the middle of nowhere, but one that has been depicted as being very successful and very happy, but actually are really not. Um, I think the location was Cumbria, because I think they mentioned it ah, at the beginning right. of the film, but whether or not it was actually filmed there, I don't know. But um, right. it's absolutely beautiful. I was, so, yeah, I was like, you know, it's worth watching, especially for that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a one of those films where beautifully made, looks great. Like, you, there's no problem with any of the filmmaking, to be honest. I was like, John, this is all great. I liked the characters. I liked how they were delivered. I just think it was like a genre issue for me. It was just I don't think it knows quite which genre to go full force into. Because I could imagine if they went full drama with it, if they said, look, we're not going to have those small comedic aspects, it might yeah. be a bit heavy you might be a bit oh okay like it's not much to yeah, enjoy here it a bit, yeah. so they lightened it up a little bit yeah. and I, I don't think necessarily that it worked um especially when you do get to the end because there's an element of her being we, we reviewed a film recently about gaslighting and yeah. there was an element of that in this you know and she's like mm. you're nothing without me you know, yeah you have no stuff without me you know, yeah. i bought you your house and it's like she's trying mm. to like control him trying to yeah. um, make him think a certain way and yeah. again trying to not spoil the end but that there's a bit where it almost feels like it might happen again and i think that the film never really pulls on those threads that much it does it, it does it a bit but no. doesn't want to go so far into it like the film we reviewed before that, that really did like the uh, true colors that really went for it yeah um this doesn't try and do that i think it as i said it tries to maintain that comedy aspect which almost holds it back slightly yeah and also i think the the ending is quite clever actually it's i something i wouldn't have expected 
somehow. It's you know, I think any film that manages to surprise you with its ending. I mean, some films you you could watch and you could be you could more or less predict what's going to happen. You think I know how it's going to end up, but I wouldn't have expected that particular finale. Because in your own mind, you know, when you watch a film, you kind of you're writing the scripts as you go along. You think, all right, I know what's going to happen next. I know what's going to happen here. But I didn't think it was going to end up the way it did, which is all to its credit, really, because it's not it's not that predictable. Mm. But it's it's a very cleverly told story of a relationship that's just dis- disintegrating, where they finally decided to stop fooling each other because they know they don't want to be together. But it's it's life, isn't it? It's it's um, it's just a part of life. It's what happens. So it's very effective in that one. Okay, so that was the show. Um, say director Richard Rowden. In case you can't find it, because often if you try to search the show film, that's going to be very difficult for you to narrow it down. So yeah, it's Richard yeah. Rowden. Um, moving on to another entry into the best comedy, actually. Um, Wicked Plans. Oh, I like this. <laughs> yeah, Lee Chambers right. directs this, and oh, um, yeah. do you know what? you you seem to be making all the all the umming noises. So I'm going to let you go with the the synopsis on this oh, one as well. Okay, then this to me is such a such a cleverly constructed story. It's so well executed. We have basically a character who is a suicide bomber and plans to carry out his deeds on Halloween night. And he ends up on the doorstep of a senator, a congressman, a senior politician. And he's standing next to three kids who are tricking and treating. And I think the interplay between the characters is absolutely brilliant. And he's trying to convince them that, you know, when they open the door, he's trying to convince them, look, look at me, look what I got here. And none of them believe a word of what he's saying. And I think it, it's absolutely brilliantly brilliantly put together and the kid the, this one boy in a, a hulk costume hmm. he's saying i was a marine last year i would have kicked your ass if i'd have been you know if you'd have seen me last year and there's one of the girls is pulling on the wires on the um the bomb he's got and nothing well it my my only qualm about this is that whilst it's brilliantly put together brilliantly written that the conception is is brilliant. I can't force it in that way. But part of me felt slightly uncomfortable laughing at the subject matter, i.e. suicide bomber. But it goes it goes to the heart of a, a never-ending debate about humour and about comedy in general. You know, could it ever go too far? Does comedy reach a point where it stops being funny and it's just in bad taste? That's my only issue with this. Yeah, I think you know when it comes to comedy, uh, there's no limit. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think you you can't limit comedy in terms of yeah. what they're gonna say or what topic they're gonna decide to yeah. make make a joke about. I think what you're sort of maybe thinking about there is that it's whether or not it's done well. Because I think that's yeah. the other thing. It's whether or not it's a good joke. Because you can have a very bad joke and it's yeah. like, well, yeah, that is just offensive. Like, it's not it's not funny. And yeah. I think that's the, the, the key element. Is, like, is it witty? Is it humorous? Yeah. Or is it just it does, playing yeah. on something that's just, you know, you're just trying to get laughs for the sake of it. And I think with this, 
what it does really well is it sends up both sides. Is you've got obviously the suicide bomber who um he's very unaware. Like he doesn't even know what Halloween is. I found that a bit like really? You don't know what Halloween is? Like you know all this stuff, like you know you hate America, but you don't know what Halloween is. Yeah. Um yeah. but like he's clearly uh you know what they call it, like a alien in a foreign country or whatever it is. Um and then you've got the senator and you've got the kids who clearly don't take him seriously and you know they're sort of laughing at him that i think it's it's joint it's just saying that this is just funny it's just funny about like, what would happen if this this yeah. did rock up um and almost that's kind of the point as well like isn't it mm. so silly isn't it so silly that someone would want to yeah. do that that or or that people have done things so bad to make people want to do that that take something like trick or treat somewhere where you are playing on themes of good and evil about, you know, isn't it just so silly that actually, you know, if we look at it in this kind of childish way, Mm. it's really ridiculous. And I think the filmmaker does really well to make it funny. The the kids are really funny. I love Mm. the banter they have with him and the bit where he opens his vest and it's like rock music kicks in, but they just laugh at him. (laughs) I thought that was genius. So funny. I mean, there's no denying that, Technically, it's really well executed. I, I liked it, but part—I I don't know—part of me felt guilty about it. My 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 view of comedy is that comedy is not about boundaries. That you push the boundaries. That there are no limits. That's my traditional view. But I started to to become slightly more aware of that side of it. That. Is there a limit? Does it turn into bad taste? But maybe that doesn't happen here. Maybe I'm being overly critical, but um, very good though. Do you know what I do dislike about films like this though is often you have to start using words that you just do not want to write down. Like you know, you haven't used use keywords like suicide bomber and and things like that. You're like, please don't. I'll end up on a list somewhere. Like please don't like look at this. Like you have to like. I I don't like reviewing films where they do that. but yeah, no, I liked it. I liked the the different tone that it was going for. Like you got this incredibly serious plot, you know, about someone going to kill a senator. But then you've got it contrasting with the fun and uh, yeah. frolics of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Even the the like the score had this like European um, like feel to it that then was contrasting with the fact that they're in America trick or treating. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just thought it worked really well. I also find with comedy, comedy with kids is like, is it going to be funny? Like, is this actually going to work? But it really did here. Like, they got great performances out of all the, the kids. The adults are really good too. Yeah. It's pretty short and snappy. I think it's like five minutes five or something. Minutes, yeah. Five minutes. Uh, yeah. yeah, it works really well. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's very well put together. There's no denying that. And also, the adult actors aren't letting the kids do all the acting as well. It's it'd be very easy to sit back and let the kids be be charming, but they do their bit. They all do their bit, and they, it fits the the ensemble works really well. And also, there's kind of gags packed into every frame almost. You know, when when he gets out of the cab and he, the the cab driver tries to give him a card saying, you know. Let me know if you want to come back. He said, no, I'm not planning to come back. This is all my journey. <laughs> yeah. you know, so you kind of, you know where it's going straight away. And it it doesn't waste waste any time. It doesn't waste any frames. It There's something there 
all the all the way along. So there, there's no there's nothing there's nothing um, wasted there. There's no there's no padding at all. But it can't be. It's only five minutes long. But it gets something in that that can make you smile. So there you go. Wicked plans uh, for best comedy directed by Lee Chambers. So do seek it out if you can. Moving on to our final review of this episode, and we're sticking with the comedy, but this time back to the UK uh, for Rise of Fizzy Pop. Mm. Oh, I like saying that. I'm going to do that again. Rise of Fizzy Pop. You see, I'm going to be a proper rock star. Battle of the Bands, you get £1,000 prize. And a bad boy record. No, I'm saying. Sing me a song then. Let me hear it. Please. Uh, no, I haven't written anything yet. Plus, I haven't got a band. <laughs> That's the sound of the police. Billy, Billy, Billy. Guess what? <laughs> I got this for you. For me. At your wish. <gasps> yeah, it's totally magic. And how did one acquire this bollocks? That, my friend, is a magic pen. Whatever you write with it, make your dreams come true. I'm going to show you guys I can do this. When the time is right, of course. How will I know when the time is right? You will know, Fizz. You will know. Wow. Enjoy that. I, a bit too much, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, now, uh, Stephanie De Palma, um, who is the uh, the brain behind this film, who direct, uh, directed by Robert Neck, but uh, it's Stephanie's film. She was on our filmmaker event on Friday. And it was lovely to chat to her about the film. Um, oh, okay. And great to just hear some of the uh, antics about what went on. It's an interesting film because it's got a very strong style to it. Like it's mm. got this kind of hyper comedy feel to it. It's dark in places, but it's also very um, surreal in others. Yeah. And it's also pretty crude. Like it's very crude in a certain sequence. Yeah. It's raw. <laughs> it's raw and it's basic. But... <laughs> um, so you've got this character who's suffering with, um, Agoraphobia, maybe I don't. He doesn't want to go outside. He's very anxious. Agra- very agoraphobic. One of those. Words. Um, and he's essentially trying to get the um courage up to go back outside and uh, attend a battle of the bands. And he makes a wish after mm. pulling out a magic quill from a toilet uh, or a pen and makes a wish that, that he'd win it, but. The first half of the film, he's in his um, house. I think it's in Brighton uh, or somewhere. And very much, um, you know, he's experiencing a surreal uh, lifestyle. He talks to the things around his apartment, you know, his fridge and other things like that. But they all talk back and they all have like the Alexa and things like have different um, 
voices and they're all talking to him the actor was a big brother um contestant i only i only realized that after i'd watched it um and yeah it's it's one of those performances that uh, i can't remember the guy's name pete something pete bennett pete bennett Bennett. and yeah he plays the role really well he's got that kind of skittish nerviness to him that gets across his anxiety shows how like um difficult he's finding life um and then yeah it's all about his preparation to to go out into the world he then has this crazy chase scene through the streets Mm. of brighton that felt very edgar wrighty i said that like it has that fast editing the quick gags and he ends up stepping on a snail which becomes the kind of band name that he assumes and um the the band battle bands at the end was one of the standout films for me just in the sense that I've not seen anything like that in the festival at all. There was you know, a lot of the dramas that we watch, obviously they're all very, very good, mm. but they could be linked in more than enough ways. But with Rise of Fizzy Pop, I was like, do you know what? This is the only film we've got that's like this. Um, yeah. And I think it's an interesting film at least. What did you think of this one, Brian? Well, I actually reviewed the uh, the film. I wrote a review up on it uh, a while back, and I look back over what I wrote, and it's interesting, really. When I write a review of a, a film, then we talk about it on on a podcast. I always like to, to sort of think to myself, you know, how did I see it back then? Do I feel any differently about it now? But I felt the same now as I did about it when I first watched it. That it's the way it's filmed, it's very kind of comic strip based. It's kind of uh, surreal in, in a lot of lot of places. It's odd. It's strange. But in other ways, there's a serious message there because this character, he's best friends. One's a lizard and the other one's a stuffed teddy bear. Right? <laughs> everyone, everyone else inside his flat is talking to him. But, to, you know, when, when I reviewed it, I, I felt that's just his subconscious speaking to him. You know, the, the lizard was real, and the teddy bear was real, but everything else was just kind of talking to him in his, in his own, own head. But it does tell you something valid about how conditions can affect you when you, when you, you feel incarcerated and you feel you can't leave, leave your home. Pete Bennett, you know, one of the things that gave Pete Bennett a profile on Big Brother was that he had Tourette's syndrome, and he was one of the, I think he was the first contestant to go on there with that condition. So he he kind of has an understanding of the conditions that character might be suffering with, because there, to me there's elements of ADHD, autism. You know, if you if you look closely enough, I'm not qualified to give a, a medical opinion, but you're kind of getting that from it, and you think, you know, this does affect people. It's a it's a real condition, but there's something. There's some very funny, funny. There's some very funny, funny moments there, but it does tell you something serious as well. And that amidst all the humour and the, and the zaniness of it, you are getting a serious message from it as well. Well, I think you are anyway. Yeah, and I don't think it's laboured because you know it could easily have been laboured. Like you know, imagine yeah. this in a totally different genre. You'd be like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, wow, this is this is heavy stuff. Whereas yeah. you don't come away from this feeling that way. You you come away from it feeling very energized at least and mm. um definitely had a few laughs along the way um yeah. like <laughs> bit where uh i don't remember who it was but like someone tells the bear to uh like he says i'll oh, f off you virgin <laughs> when, <laughs> when he gets questioned about why he bought semi-skimmed milk yeah, and it, yeah. it was just like that's the kind of comedy that for me 
really works because it's just like someone thought I'm gonna write this down and it's absolutely mental, yeah, but it's yeah. hilarious and. It's- yeah. There's loads of it. There's a bit where he does a poo and it, <laughs> it lands on someone <laughs> in the toilet. And it reminded me of like the Mighty Boosh. And I was like, yeah, I can imagine like that yeah. kind of zany humor. Yeah. And he's yeah. then going, oi, <laughs> like sort of thing, like from inside the toilet. Yeah. And it, it's it got those moments. I've watched it twice and yeah. I got a lot more the, the second time I watched it because you, you're in more of the zone, you're, you're in the, mm. the feel of it, and you pick up on all these little jokes, um, all these little things that the filmmakers have put in seamlessly and i think it's indicative of the character and what they're experiencing you know that they're so erratic and so um finding it hard to sort of stay with one thing that all these little moments happen and they're all part of this big tapestry of his experience in life and it's just really funny it has a kind of a Mm. shameless charm and you find it very endearing that's the other thing as well because in the wrong hands the character could have not been endearing you'd be like look at him going Oh, do you know what? Like, he's not very likable, to be honest. But yeah. I think the the character does come across very likable, yeah, and you root yeah. for him. And it has a little, almost like School of Rock kind of feel. By the end of it, you know, he goes uh, and does a show, and you're like, yeah. "This is just, this is just very, very good fun." There's lots of influences there. You know, you you talk about, um, you know, uh, Edgar Wright. It, it does have that feel about it. And as with all films, they do have their influences, and you. You can see them, and there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, it works. It's funny. It's great fun, and you feel entertained by it, you know. And yeah, it's good. It works, and I think it. I think Pete Bennett makes it work because he's. There's something. One is familiar to us anyway. If you watch, if you've ever watched Big Brother, I've been what ten, twelve years ago, but. So he has that kind of profile still. You you remember him. He's likable. He's down to earth. There's no slice to him. And that works because he makes the character likable. Good title as well, Rise of Fizzy Pop. Yeah, brilliant. Really stands yeah. out. Um, very vibrant, much like the film. And yeah, I think it's one of those ones that just for me was a nice surprise because I didn't really know what it was going to be about. Like, you know, you sometimes get a, a sense from the title. But with this, yeah. it's like, I don't know any idea about this. And I'd seen some of the stills like from your review and stuff and I was like, oh, that looks mm. interesting at least. Like mm. his costume and thing was really um, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just so glad it, it it worked out and it pays off and it's got that... For me, it feels like a very British comedy film. Um, that yeah. that yeah. sensibility, you know, like yeah. I said, Edgar Wright and mm. uh, Mighty Boosh, things like that. It mm. was playing with a lot of those sort of um, yeah. feelings. So yeah, very, very good. Um, thumbs up. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Mm. So... Those are the films. Uh, we reviewed them now for uh, everyone listening. We are just going to pause for a second. Well, me and Brian are going to pause. You won't feel a thing, listeners. Don't mm-hmm. worry. Um, mm-hmm. Just while we deliberate, because I've got the scores in for Best Documentary, but I don't have Brian's scores yet. So let me just talk to Brian. Okay. Okay, we're back. I've spoken to Brian, deliberated, mm-hmm. made sure that he was on the same page because mm-hmm. few people have been involved in the judging um, of this category. So, the entries for Best Documentary were Ukraine War, The Eyes of Refugees, which we reviewed earlier on the show, uh, The World Cruiser, which we reviewed a few weeks back, I don't think it was that long ago, and then A Manchester Story, which I think may have been one, in one of the first episodes mm. we've done. Yeah, it was. Um, so they're all spread out across the show, so do go back and listen to our reviews of those films, because they're all very good in their own way. Um, 
but it comes to us to announce the winner. Mm. And I don't have a drum roll, but I'm not going to bang the desk like Amber yeah. did in her show. That's so, too obvious. That yeah, she she literally yeah. was like doing it on the desk, and well, uh, no. um, so. The winner is a Manchester story. It was a phenomenal documentary, um, really powerful, really emotive, very well delivered. And I think it told the aftermath of um, the Manchester bombings in a very, very strong, delicate, tender, but effective way. I think it's a great film. The other two documentaries are also great in their own right but i think a manchester story to us just stood out as being uh, hitting the right notes on all levels it, it really was a very well crafted film um brian what do you think about that yeah no i go along with all of that what made manchester story so effective was that it steered away from the uh the politics of the story and it concentrated on the impacts, the human cost, and how people coped after the attack. And that's really you it encourages the audience to look forward and not look back to say, right, this has happened, but how are the loved ones of those that died, how are they coping? How are they living their life? How are they coming to terms with it all? Which is the way we would all choose to look at it, because you can't it's so depressing to look look at the facts and look back at what happened and, and look at the before. The, af- the aftermath is really what we should be concerned about. It's how we, we carry on, how we come to terms with the tragedy. And in some ways, the Ukraine uh, documentary isn't at that stage yet because it's still ongoing. So, you know, we're still processing the Ukraine situation. But with Man- the Manchester story, there's been time to take stock and con- consider we've had five years to think about what it's done and how it's affected the, affected the people and it's looking forward which is what gives it an edge for me fantastic um thank you brian for your mm-hmm. very thoughtful uh, recap of those um i think as i said to be honest, every film that was entered this year was incredible. We've had such good feedback from the filmmakers and everyone who attended about the films that we've put on. Um, the documentary category is always an interesting one because mm. I think it largely comes down to often like your interest in the um, topic or or how the filmmakers get you interested in the topic. And I think, you know, like I said, with all three films that we've got in this category this year, very, very good. Um, but yeah, again, big congrats to A Manchester Story because Absolutely. it was just terrific. Um, that's it for this show. A uh, big episode. We've went through a lot and we've gone mm. through um, one of the award winners. So thank you for sticking with us if you're still here to the end. Um, thank you, Brian, for joining me again. That's all right. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. And thank you, dear listener and dear filmmakers. Um, But that's it from me. Um, So without further ado, we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye for now.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.